Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is my Religious Struggles, the podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of My Religious Struggles. You're joined by myself, Francesca, and our uh, our speaker, I guess, <laughs> Kennedy Vanterpool. We've been going through quite a lot in the last few episodes. And last week, we looked at answering some of your questions. We asked you to send through some questions. You did not disappoint. Um, you sent us through some very interesting questions, very amazing questions, and we've had some great responses to it. So we just wanted to uh, carry on with that. We do have a few more questions to get through. And so that's exactly what we're going to be doing in this episode. Are you ready, Kennedy? Yes, I am. And I learned from one of our um, listeners that they sent in some more questions yesterday as well. So it's, it's exciting. Um, we're, we're getting the response from, from individuals and it seems as though we are, hit, we are hitting where it hurts. Right, right. I think it's really good that people are sending through questions and we do want to get through to as many questions as possible. So we'd always let you know, um, you know, when we're having a Q&A episode so that you can do that. Okay, um, just to reiterate, as we did last week, that Kennedy has not read these questions so it's um he has no preemptive answers for you um he's hearing them for the first time almost as if you guys are right here in front of him and you're asking him the questions live so we really wanted to get an unbiased or unrehearsed um answer to you so if you're ready kennedy we're going to shoot with our our first question today for today's q a episode how do we effectively gather together as the church in fellowship and on what commonalities when our religion is individual. So we looked at the fact that religion is individual. So how do we effectively gather together in fellowship and on what commonalities? Excellent, excellent question. Um, Again, if you go back to the foundation of of our broadcast, it has to do with James chapter one, 26 and 27. And the fallacy that we have is that religion is corporate rather than individual when we are led by the spirit of god the spirit of god is the one who leads in our lives and you will discover that when he leads in our lives uh, he is about unity and so john 16 13 tells us that when he the spirit of truth is come he would lead us into all truth so in order for us to function in the spiritual realm we need truth So truth is the commonality that we have among us. And the only one that can help us with that truth is the spirit himself. And so when the spirit of God reveals to us, then what we should be doing, when we should be doing and how we should be doing it, we will discover that um, we'll discover that there is, there is unity among us um, because you need the different gifts and and abilities. And as you talk about God's divine order the last time about our our gifts, our purposes, our ministries, our vocations, and our destiny, 
those are the things that are that's that's our commonality there so each of us therefore operating in that realm come together now and bring about unity among the 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 children of god so the things that god has given us are used now to advance his kingdom right right so with that being said i think this leads on very good to the next question is there room for accountability in an individual religion and what does that look like very good very good we were not designed by god to remain as individuals mm. we were designed by god for fellowship and in fellowship therefore as a matter of fact i'm about to do a presentation this morning on on the guidelines to help individuals in the grieving process and one of the areas that we um we're going to speak about is that you need an accountability partner mm -hmm. partners um and if you look at jesus and how he lived his life he was an individual but he had accountability partners. James, Peter, James, and John were his accountability partners on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 19. And then in Matthew 26, especially, he needed them um, um, other times, but these are the ones, the highlights where we have, um, remember also when he went to the home of, of Jairus' daughter in, in Mark chapter five, he took with him Peter, James, and John. So his accountability, these were his accountability partners. And so, and this is something that we don't teach. Um, Chuck Swindoll is one that I normally hear talk about this pretty often. But the point is that, no, we were not designed to be just individuals. The objective of the individual is, is to integrate. It is about integration. It's about wholeness. That's where we get married, for example. So in marriage, so if you're married, if you're in a family, you can't mm -hmm. be by yourself. You can't based on the question we're asking how are we accountable first of all you have you have the the the, the, the father the son and the spirit they're accountable to mm -hmm. then you have your family in which you're a part of if you're part of a church you also have you're also accountable to those individuals as a matter of fact when we testify to anybody we become accountable to those individuals to whom we are testifying right they can now they can now hold us accountable for whatever it is that we tell them. So so we you can't escape this concept of accountability. It is impossible. If you're at a job, you have those that are around you who you're accountable to. You go to school, you have those you're accountable to. So so accountability exists in our society. You can't isolate it because it is religion. Right, right. So there is in fact room for accountability in individual yes. religion. In a multiplicity of areas of our lives. But you see, that's mm. our problem, though. Our problem is that we love to isolate. Mm. And so we're isolated in the area of, of, of religion now. And you can't do that because our lives are integrated. Our lives are holistic. And so whatever is happening in one area of our, of our lives, you're going to carry it over into other areas of our lives. So we, if you don't have accountability partners, then we are not going to have them in the spiritual realm either. If you don't have them in the physical realm or the or marital realm or the work realm, we're not going to have them in church either. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let's go on to the next question. And this was something I think we spoke about a few episodes ago, and I think there needs some clarity around it maybe. Um, but how do we get, or sorry, how do we go about addressing our spiritual leaders slash pastors when our personal conviction doesn't align with our church? You've got to always be led by the spirit of God. And when you're led by the spirit of God, he brings about unity. However, 
the, the, the contrast is also true. Whenever you begin to live like God, and I need to apologize, I did say that that's 1 Timothy 2.15 is actually 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 that tells us he who lives godly will endure persecution. So the moment that you decide you're going to do what God says. So for example, I don't refer to myself as a Christian, I refer myself to myself as a disciple. That's going to create dissonance for individuals because they think that not only should it be about, you should call yourself Christians, but you should also call yourself members of a church. And if you don't do that, if you don't identify with that, you're going to get pushback from, from individuals. So you've got to be ready, therefore, to for the, the pushback, for the, the persecution, for the, 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 they're going to, they're going to come up against you. They, they, they're going to make sure that you conform because that's what it's all about. Conformity is about control. And so people are going to want to control your life and you need to be aware of the fact that, that this is what is about. People are trying to control your life and you've got to allow your life to be led by the spirit of God and not by the spirit of men or, or, or by men and the things that men teach. So, so like Jesus, you're going to encounter a therefore, and especially here is where you're going to get your greatest pushback. And I know the question has to do with, with, with titles. Titles are extremely important both in the spiritual realm and the physical realm. Let me say that again. Titles are extremely important, not only in heaven, but also on earth. So if you go to heaven, for example, you have the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You have cherubims, you have seraphims, you have angels. So, so titles are important. As a matter of fact, God actually gives us every problem that we have in our lives. God has a title for it, mm -hmm. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, mm -hmm. Jehovah Rapha. What he has done also, he has given to us also titles. And so that's why he made us kings. He made us priests. He made us prophets. He made us, and I'm talking about each person. I'm not talking about indivi um, um, individuals um, like, like in the Bible. And, and so some have titles and some uh, others don't. So when you begin to understand the, the, the kingdom of God, you'll discover that God has given to us kings, he has made us kings, he has made us priests, he has made us uh, ministers, he has made us saints, he has made us ambassadors, he has made us um, um, judges. So there are a multiplicity of titles that God has given to us so we can minister to those individuals who, depending upon what their need is. So for example, if there's a dispute among um, um, in, uh, individuals and they come to you for help, you use the title of judge. If they want you to intercede on their behalf, use the title of priest. If they need leadership in their lives, you use the title of king. So, so titles are important, but we should only use the titles that God has given us. So for example, you shouldn't call anybody father. That's what the Bible says. So those that the Bible speak out against, you should not be a part of. And, and you should not be afraid not to use those titles. And so I don't call them, um, I don't call individuals who call themselves Father, I don't call them father, I call them pastor, I call them whatever the Bible says that they are, then I, so I'm still respectful, but I only use the titles that God says that we can use. So just coming back to the question, because I think that's really interesting, what you've said, but I want us to get a clear, practical answer as to how we address these spiritual leaders that we have. When what we believe doesn't align with what 
so what so our personal convictions so the whole point about these religious struggles is that you've had your own personal convictions based on what you've read for yourself and understood for yourself what you believe the spirit has imparted to you that does not align with your church and right. so maybe if we go about it I don't know the best way to address this is to look at what you've personally done, how you've, um, how you've addressed it with your spiritual leaders or with your church, the fact that there's no alignment there. But how, do, how, how does one address that? I think it's personal. This becomes personal now, though, in that, um, and like I said, you're going to always get pushed back from it. However, you need to, you need whatever, whatever the spirit has revealed to you, you need to take a stance on that. So mm. the spirit, like I said, for example, in my experience, I don't call, I don't call the priests um, father because the Bible mm. says call no man father. So I, 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 I'm not disrespectful to the individual. I use the, so I'd use the title of, of pastor, for example, because the Bible talks about pastors in Ephesians chapter four. The other thing that we need to understand that we all are ministers. Each of us is a minister. Each of us is a king. Each of us is a priest. Each, each of us. So we have those. We have the, the, the. Each of us has the same titles because what at the cross there's level ground. The difference is the uh, the actual differences are has to do with the gifts that we have. So you have um, um, pastors who have the gift of pastoring. You have ministers who have the gift who minister in, in a multiplicity of areas. So you minister in the area of fishing, you minister in the area of computers, you minister in the area of um, um, Wall Street, you minister in the area of finance, you minister in the area. So each of us has our own titles. So, so we need, therefore, to, to use those titles and not be afraid to use those titles. So, for example, every um, morning when I'm doing the, the, on the prayer line, I'm doing a series for them on the area of grief, and I address all the individuals on the, on, on the line as ministers because that's what God calls them. You see, when we begin to understand the, the concept of titles and the respect that goes with it, we will therefore not disrespect one another. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. The next question that we have is a bit of a lengthy one. So I'm going to read it in full and then we'll, we'll, we'll separate it. So let's have a look at what this person's asking. He says, our Western culture is predominantly autocratic. So meaning the individual makes decisions based on what is right to or for them. Meaning everyone has a right to their own version of the truth and thus denying any absolute truth. Knowing that Christ is absolute truth, how do we avoid an autocratic worldview in the pursuit of personal religion? We have scripture, which is absolute truth to guide us, but how do we manage the risk of our personal interpretation, determining our understanding of the word and thus influencing the truth we get from it? So I think we understand this question. So basically considering that we are in a predominantly autocratic worldview where everyone has their own personal truth, how do we navigate that with not denying absolute truth in the pursuit of you know, what we've been talking about, individual religion. We know that Christ is absolute truth. Um, 
how do we avoid an autocratic worldview in pursuit of personal religion? Okay. <laughs> um, they, 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 let's see if we can use another word that will help to, to bring about a little bit more clarity because autocratic seems to suggest that you have the power to do what you want to do rather than, so I want to prefer to use in, in individualistic, okay. individual, yeah. Okay. From an individual standpoint or independence. Right. Okay. What we need to understand, there's, there's a concept, there, there's a, a kingdom concept that we need to, 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 to understand and be aware of that we have not been taught. And this is what bring, this was bringing about a lot of the dissonance now when it comes to individualism and being individualistic. Um, and, and I know a lot of people have difficulty with that because we have, again, we have not been taught this basic kingdom principle. When we are born, we are dependent. See your baby right now? He's dependent upon you guys. For just about everything in his, in his life right now, he's dependent upon, upon um, um, his parents, he's dependent upon his siblings, he's dependent upon people who are, who are in his life. But here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed now to teach your, your, your son and all your children independence. Because he, he or she now needs to learn to do things on his own, like tie his shoestrings, like um, um, getting his or her um, breakfast, being able to put on his or her clothes. So you teach them so that they become independent. However, now, when they go to at some stage now, you have to learn to teach them interdependence, and especially when they go to school, because it is no longer in the home environment. Because even at home, they're going to learn they're going to learn how to be independent, but they also need to learn how to be interdependent. Right. Because they need to learn to rely on their brothers and sisters. Because again, you're not isolated. You can't do things how you want. You've got to fit into the realm of other people doing other things, so we can enjoy our independence. So we need interdependence in order to enjoy our, our independence. So when you go off to school now, it is not just you. It is not just, just, just your parents and you. It is now a multiplicity of individuals. So you have got to learn, therefore, how do we, and, and, and the schools are now beginning to understand how important this is. And now what they're doing is getting children to work together. They're, they're now getting to work in groups rather than just individual. But here is what has happened now, because our world has become so, so much bigger. Well, it was always the same, but we are so connected now. We now need to learn to deal with intradependence. So it's not just dependence, it is independence. Then it is interdependence. Now it is intradependence. And so it is a perfect example as we sit here now. You are in England, I am here in America. That's interdependence mm. because you're, you're crossing boundaries, you're crossing seas we are crossing uh, um, land and we are now intra-dependent and so we're coming one holistic uh, um, village so when we begin to understand this concept of uh, because notice what is what is what is the common denominator to all of them dependence interdependence in sorry in, dependence independence interdependence intradependence there's one word that is common to all of them and that is dependence so there's no time in our lives where we're not dependent. Mm. So I don't care how, how much you try to be 
interdependent. I don't care how much you try to be individualistic. I don't care how much you try to be, um, and, 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 and the concept that they use, autocratic. You cannot exist in a world without dependence. So dependence must be a part of our lifestyle. And so when we depend upon God then, and we, 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 we teach our children at an early age and an early stage to be dependent upon God, what happens as a result? And here's the beautiful thing about turning to God. When we turn to God, he takes our hearts, he comes into our hearts, turns our hearts inside out. So it no longer becomes just about us now, but the focus now becomes others. Mm. And so we become other focused. So it's not just dependence now. Our dependence now um, is upon God. Once our dependence is upon God, he will teach us how to be, through his spirit, how to be independent, but not independent without being dependent. Mm. Then we're going to become interdependent because we recognize that just in our homes is not enough. When you go off to school, we go off to college, when you go off to university, our, our circle becomes much, much wider. And so we become interdependent, for example, when we're in school. Here's where the interdependence uh, college, for example, you have several different schools of discipline. And so if you're yeah. going to do a BA, it must be interdependent. Mm. But now we become, we get into the world of work now, where it now becomes intradependent. So my point is that at no point in, in time in our lives that we become um, um, autocratic, we become, we can try, or individualistic. We always have, and we, all, we always have someone around us. Even when you are in the desert by yourself, you always mm -hmm. have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit around us. So we are never at any point in our lives where it is just the individual. And so when we begin to understand that concept now, we will get rid of this, it's about me, and recognize it's about us. And so when you look at Jesus and his life, as powerful and as awesome as he, as he, he was, it was never about him. It is always about those that are around him. It's, all, it's always about us. So I'm, I'm just, so in relation to what you've just explained, uh -huh. the question looks at knowing that Christ is absolute truth. Uh -huh. How do we then line that up? Considering everything that you've just said, how do we line that up and avoid having this independent world or an in, in, uh, independent or individualistic view of truth? Knowing that Christ is absolute truth, but our and our religion is personal. So our religion is individual, right? But absolute, there is absolute truth. How do we navigate that? First of all, truth is God's truth wherever it is found. Let me see if we can explain this concept of truth as well. Truth is not a body of doctrine. So we need to get that clear. And I think that's where the confusion lies. The confusion lies in that we think that truth is a body of doctrines. It is what the church teaches. It is what we pull out from the word of God. It is what we think that it is. And I think that that needs to be, that's truth with a common T. Truth, which is God's truth, according to John 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God is truth. 
the, uh, um, the Father's truth. The Son is truth. Jesus is truth. You just, you just quoted it. The Holy Spirit is truth. John 16, 13. And when he, he the Spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you into all truth. Mm-hmm. Then he says, thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So truth, therefore, comes from God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are who is truth. So truth is not a thing. Truth is not a body of doctrines. Truth is a person. And here's what we need to understand. You cannot possess truth. Mm. Truth possesses you. And whenever truth possesses you, you therefore are no longer in control of the truth. The truth is now in control of you. And so when you become, and that's what Jesus was trying to teach while he was here on earth, to help his disciples to understand, I am the truth. The, the word of God is truth. Therefore, you can't corrupt truth. So right. when you understand truth and who is truth, you begin to live your life like truth. Who is Jesus Christ? And so mm. Jesus Christ is truth. And so the Holy Spirit then will reveal to us who is truth, not what is truth, but who is truth. And we now begin to live our lives like Jesus. And if you live our lives like Jesus one of the things that we're going to have um, among us is going to be unity. One of the things we're going to have among us, like his disciples that he had with him, even though one turned around and betrayed him because we all have our own minds. And by the way, truth did not possess, possess Judas. Judas tried to possess truth. That's why he, mm. that's why he, 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 um, he, he sold Jesus uh, for 30 pieces of silver. So, so once, we have, once we have Jesus Christ in our lives, and if you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, one of the things that God has given us are the gifts and abilities and capabilities. And the reason why they're given is for unity. And the reason why it brings about unity is that we now begin to utilize our gifts in the areas that God has gifted us in to accomplish our purposes, our, our, our ministries, our vocations, and our destiny. And now we are working together. Let me show you how powerful it is. Let me show you how powerful this concept is. In, in Genesis chapter 11, in Genesis chapter 11, you will discover that the antediluvians were making a tower to go up to God. And the Bible says that they would have accomplished that if God did not come down and confounded them and change their language. The reason why they were able to accomplish that was because they had... They utilize the gifts that everybody had. So the persons who were making the scaffolding were, were gifted in that area, and that's the area they worked in. The individuals who were responsible for the mortar, they were very good at it, and that's what they did. Those are responsible for administration. Those are responsible. And so we can take our gifts and utilize them and bring about unity, but it can be unity for destruction rather for, than for the truth. So even in this context, and we are seeing it in churches today, it seems as though it is unity, but it is not because it is not of the spirit. It is not of God. It is of man. And so it has always, our truth has always got to be that the, the, the spirit of truth possesses us rather than us possessing the, trying to possess the truth because we will manipulate it and we're going to have this individualism rather than having um, 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 a holistic approach. And I said to you, uh, we said um, um, last time, 
I don't, I don't like to give out the hymns. I don't like to give out scripture readings. I don't like to give out sermon topics because I believe that the same spirit that is working with me is working with the church to, to where he's sending me. And so when they come up with, 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 with um, um, the scripture reading, when they come up with, with the, 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 the songs, they are appropriate because it is the same spirit that is speaking to me as the same one that is speaking to them. Mm. I don't know Very if I confused uh, that individual or I brought about any clarity, but uh, again, you can always send in your questions and we'll try to bring about clarity if it is not clear enough yet. On that note, uh, I want to jump to a quick a question here. Um, I, I, I think it ties into all of this. Um, could you speak of the idea of personal conviction and what role that plays in the pursuit of personal slash individual religion? It seems as though folks have problems with this um, individual religion. The point (laughs) I was making about religion is that it begins with the individual. And so the individual, and let's tie it in with the question that we're talking about now. The individual, therefore, has to be convinced and convicted by God. Once that individual is convinced and convicted by God, what happens as a result now, they become, like we said before, other focus. It's not just me now, me and God. It is other people in our lives. Because remember, we, the Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, um, verse 26, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the man of some is, but exhorting one another even much so much so as we see that they are approaching. So it begins with the individual, and let's deal with the question now. It begins with the individual's conviction. So once they're convinced and convicted, then God now convinces and convicts us about the, 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 not just us as individuals, but now as a group. And so the Spirit now directs us as his disciple, because Let's bring in let's bring in another another concept um, um, when it comes to this aspect of, of religion. When we are disciple, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, first of all, we are called. Once we are called, we become Jesus' disciples. A disciple, in order for him to be to to to, to maintain his discipleship, must be discipled. Therefore, you need another, at least where you need other people in your life. So at least here is where you need one or two more individuals to disciple you. So if you look at Jesus, when he called his disciples, he didn't just, they were no longer individuals, even though they were individuals. He now began to disciple them. And so when you become a child of God, when you become convinced and convicted that God has called you, you become a disciple. In order to, 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 to grow as a disciple, you need other disciples to come around you. And so this concept of individualism immediately goes out the window because you now need individuals to disciple you. That's why he says in Matthew 28 and verse, and verse, uh, um, verse 20, 19 and 20, go ye into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always. Go into all the world and make disciples. So, so as a disciple, you have to be discipled, just like how Jesus disciples his disciples. 
And so when Jesus was finished now, they were able to take over Jesus' role and responsibility in terms of presenting the gospel in terms of, so, so when you are, when you begin to understand uh, um, the individual in terms of receiving, uh, um, um, becoming now religious, you don't, you don't remain as an individual. You, the spirit now direct you to individuals that will now help you to grow as a disciple. The spirit will also send you to the right church that he wants you to be in right now so that you not only can you grow but you also can help those around you grow because every disciple has disciples mm. if you are a genuine disciple you will have disciples so immediately this in the, because remember we talk about dependence independent inter, independence interdependence intradependence so this individualism now goes out the window because now you're connected to 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 more than one individual in terms of your, your 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 concept of religion now it begins to broaden and your 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 you you as a disciple begin to grow and now get more disciples and helping them in their discipleship to grow and the circle gets wider and wider and so we're always connecting as disciples with other disciples and it doesn't matter whether they are of the same denomination or not And so a circle, our circle then begins to broaden and it no longer becomes about you as an individual and your objective as a disciple then is to know the truth because it is the truth that's going to set you free. I think this is very good and I think it's, I'm glad that you've explained, you've gone into explain about individual religion. I, I, we have got one more question. I think we have time to answer this question if we answer it quickly. Um, uh, uh, because I think it's, it's another question that talks about individual and personal religion. Um, and maybe the question is, as you said, is based on the fact that there's a misunderstanding around, you know, what individual and personal religion is. But the question is, is there a distinction between individual religion and personal religion? The foundation of my question is based on using these interchangeably, which I'm not sure should be the case. So is there a distinction, a difference between individual religion and personal religion? I, I, I don't see the difference. I, I, I think it's, it's basically the same thing because it is the individual now who's understanding James chapter 1, 26 and 27, um, and so it, the individual is still the per, is still the person, so it's still personal. But the personal becomes now, so, so it doesn't remain personal. You cannot be, you cannot have a religion, and that's one of the challenges of the, the religion. You cannot have a religion and you have an individual, individual, individualistic religion, because if we go back to the definition of the religion again, um, um, it's it, let's see if we can we can read it again because I think that's. That's what's going to help us to, to, to clarify what we're talking about. Um, James 1, James Peter John, James chapter 1, 26 and 27 says, um, if any man among you, notice this, if any man among you is religious, and so that's what we're talking about, and bridleth not his tongue, and so here's where the individual or the personal comes in. Um, um, he deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. And so that's where the individuals come from now. But he says, pure religion and undefiled before the Father 
is this to visit the fatherless so here now it becomes corporate because you're now you're now dealing with the fatherless you're dealing with the widows you're dealing with those that are uh, that have a need and so it is no longer just about you now it's about other individuals as well but the personal conviction comes to you and that personal conviction now begins to expand into into others and then he says you got to keep ourselves unspotted from the world and so you're going to find out there's a group of individuals who who are not a part of the world but are separate from the world and now you become a part of that group in terms of advancing the kingdom of god and this is where god now wants you to be collectively where we do things individually but then collectively so during the week we carry out our role and responsibility in other words we live our religion on a daily basis and when we come together corporately it's a celebration of what we have done during the week and to share with others what we did during the week sorry there you go <laughs> So thank you very much, um, Kennedy, um, for answering those questions. We've come to the end of our Q&A session for today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys as listeners have gained some clarity. Your questions have been answered. You're clear on that. As always, as Kennedy said, you know, please continue to send through your questions and we'll tackle those questions again in a further episode. Uh, but we just want to thank everyone for sending through the questions that you did send through the last couple episodes. Uh, it's been very interesting to hear what people are thinking, to hear what people are feeling. And I think through questions, we can actually gauge, um, you know, where people's minds are on the, on the topics that we're talking about. And I think it, it's really encouraging to know that people are sticking around to listen to what you have to say, um, you know, despite, as I said last week, the discomfort um, around certain topics and the way it can shake us. I mean, I have been uncomfortable <laughs> in some of the things that we've spoken about, but I think they're interesting conversations. Um, any closing words, Kennedy? Yes. Um, understand Understand that truth is progressive. Uh, the Bible says it's like a shining light that shines more and more into a perfect day. day. And that's a part of our struggle as, as um, believers in, in, in Jesus Christ in that the spirit doesn't always reveal us everything at the same time. Be aware and let the spirit of God reveal to you what you need to know at this point in time, because you want to experience freedom. Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us for another episode of My Religious Struggles, the podcast, where we reconcile what the church wants and what God requires. If you would like to get in touch with us or have any comments or questions, you can email us at kingdomuniversitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingdomuniversitynetwork. I'm your host, Francesca, signing out. See you next time right here on My Religious Struggles, the podcast.